to another edition of the Sunday Forum right here on WMNF 88.5 Tampa, Sarasota, St. Pete. This is your host, Walter L. Smith II, the voice of the Tampa Bay area, along with my main man, Mabili. Morning. How are you doing this morning, brother? Pretty good, pretty good. All right, all right, all right. Mabili, we had, to, we had a great show last week. Yeah. We had a great show last week. And for the past couple of weeks, we've been discussing the issue of the unification of the continent of Africa and what it means to us here in the Western Hemisphere and us here in the Tampa Bay area. It means the world to us, right? Oh, and there's a, there's a lot, right? Oh, yeah. A lot to unpack. A lot. To a unpack. lot. And we cannot ignore the significance of what is happening on the continent. We cannot ignore what is happening with regard to the decolonization of the various African nations uh, that has that, that is happening and it's happening at a very rapid pace. A very rapid pace. And when I say decolonization, I mean real decolonization. 
right? Mm-hmm. And it is going to affect how Africa is seen on the global on the global market when you talk about trade, when you talk about um, politics. Uh, Africa will will have a a whole lot more respect than it has in the past because it is taking its respect. It is take its demanding that it will be respected. And you know how we talk about the table sitting at the table. You know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> they create their own table. Mm-hmm. They've created their own table. And in order for you to do business, in order for you to have any part of their resources. You got to come to them and really come to them in a meaningful way. And that is what I love about what's happening right now is that there's no going in and just taking things. No, they're putting an end to that. They're putting an end to that. And neighboring African nations that are seeing that there are so-called puppet uh, leadership, then they are actually calling them out. They're calling them out, and they're calling them to task. And in many instances, we're seeing uh, situations where there are coups that are taking place. Now, the coups seem to be peaceful coups from the standpoint that there are no, there, there's no assassination that's taking place, right? They, these people have the leadership. If the leadership has or is disagreed, if the people disagree with the leadership, then what they're doing is... The military has taken over, uh, called martial law, and they are preparing, it seems, and hopefully for um, fair elections to take place. Fair elections to take place. Uh, There's no more of this um, dictatorship, long-term dictatorships or life presidencies and all this other stuff, unless that's what the people want. Unless that's what the people want, there's no more of that. It's hard to know because, you know, you never know what shenanigans are going on during the elections to keep people, long-term people in power, such as what we're seeing in Gabon this past week. You know, that was a a family that's been in power for over 40-some-odd, almost 50 years, and the people uh, were trying to send a message that we're done with this regime. Uh, But, of course, that creates a vacuum. And who steps into the vacuum? (laughs) And it's oftentimes the military or somebody with dictatorial designs. And if that's the case, then they also need a military. So we, you know, just like in Egypt back in 2012, we didn't want to see that revolution end in a military junta. Oh no, not Egypt. Yeah, not Egypt. No, that that would have been really bad. That would have been really well, it bad. Kind of sort of is what what ended up happening, you know. And then, yeah. but they were able to save face by putting in a guy from the judiciary, and so it doesn't seem like it was a progressive end to that uprising in Egypt. But we're seeing, you know, a lot of what's happening is like a sort of Arab. It's like the Arab Spring on the continent of Africa, and we're seeing. You know, the people trying to have a voice, but in the end, is it their voice? You know, if you have a military junta who's taken over, and especially when you have continued outside influence, mm-hmm. and in this case coming from Russia now, you know, in the 19, in the late 50s and the 60s, it was, it was, it must have been incredibly exciting to see decolonization movements happening across the continent at oh, yeah. the same time that. You know, desegregation movement was happening here, you know, so it had to be incredibly exciting at that time to see African country after African country throw off the yoke of their former colonial masters. Absolutely. Uh, but we what we're seeing now could go either way. It Absolutely. doesn't seem like it's the voice of the people that's winning. It's the voice of the military. Absolutely. Um, so well, before we get too deeply into this, I want to point out the fact that I'm very glad to know that we got you back after the after the hurricane, Hurricane Adalia, and uh, the damage that we've seen so far in this area has not been as bad as it could have been um, mm-hmm. with the tropical storms that passed by here as opposed to 
the hurricane um, storms that we that we could have had. And wow, we dodged another one. Yeah. What, what can you say, right? Now, unfortunately, you did have some places that that had some that had some damage and had some uh, had a few deaths. I don't know what the death toll has been since then. What we do know is that uh, your governor uh, <laughs> uh, has been has been going around this, the state and taking a look at some of the damage that's taking place and determining what kind of making some sort of assessment of what is needed to uh, rebuild in those areas that have sustained damage. Now, you know, we, we always hope for the best when it comes to the relationships between the president of the United States and our governor. Uh, but what we, what we don't like to see is situations where the president calls and the governor has refused to even go into uh, into assessment missions with the president in order to determine what kind of help is needed. That is childish. That is less than uh, diplomatic and certainly is unnecessary. I mean, we're, you, know, you know, at the end of the day, what we're looking at his lives. At the end of the day, what we're doing is looking at what's necessary to rebuild after a disaster. I mean, what happens after an earthquake, right? Is he going to turn around and just say, oh, yeah, well, you know, I don't want to speak to you. Are you serious right now? Yeah, it's like very... Like some little child with a football is going to go home. And <laughs> right. Nobody's going to play football now. Very childish, very petty. And it's also, I believe, hateful because he's worried about what his base, his red meat base, might think. Because if you recall... After Hurricane Sandy that tore up New Jersey and Chris Christie had to embrace, he actually didn't have to, but he embraced Barack Obama for the help that was coming from the feds. And his base or the Republican base went eight. They went haywire. So I think he's thinking about that, especially when Christie is in the running against him for the presidency right now. He He's going to do everything he can to send this under the this undertone of a message to his base. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to back down one inch, give in one inch. What's the campaign slogan? Never back down. You know, never give up. Never, never whatever, down. whatever it is. It's just hyperbole as far as I'm concerned. But this is a guy who's his it seemed like his whole fiber, every fiber in his body is political. <sighs> And and you know, he's not um, not very. Uh, first of all, that's not very presidential. Well, when I say yeah. presidential, I mean it's, if, if that's what he's aspiring to do. <laughs> I hope this is not <laughs> how he would carry on if he if he were to I take never. on the the responsibilities of the Oval Office. Right, absolutely ridiculous. It, it, you know, when 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 you watch the. The demeanor, his demeanor during the during the debate that just passed. You know, honestly, there's something wrong, man. Like up here, when I say up here, you, you can't see me do this, but point at the noggin, man. Yeah, there's, there's something wrong with this dude. I mean, there's really something wrong. I mean, he's socially there seems to be some real awkwardness. Right. And, you know, like, for instance, in Missouri recently, there's a 15 year old kid who has been on national news for a confrontation, if you will, with DeSantis's security. Oh, really? Over asking him a question. (laughs) Twice this has occurred with the same child. Same 15-year-old child. Hmm. Now, it, did he run it? Nope. Didn't run at him, didn't charge him, didn't do anything. <laughs> he simply asked a question. Now, I don't know what the question was necessarily, but the question wasn't... I do know that the question was clearly not a... Uh, 
what, what could a 15-year-old possibly ask of a presidential candidate that would cause that type of response? Yeah, it would also show that he's, if he's uh, the same kid, then the governor doesn't want to be confronted. And he's kind of put it in his mind, I'm going to recognize who this person is that's trying to confront me and remember them and blacklist them, even right. though he's just a 15-year-old. Unbelievable. Don't want to be criticized, don't want to be booed, don't want to be confronted. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Nope, nope. So that that is that's not a good sign. It's not a good sign. Um, there are also there are also growing concerns with neo Nazis in the state of Florida. A growing number of neo Nazi um, movements in the state of Florida that we need to be we need to take some serious concern with. And in the military and on police forces, yes. <laughs> we yes. see that there was some who communicating with the Proud Boys during the uprising, the insurgency on January the 6th, listen, 2021. Listen. This cannot be um, overlooked. This cannot be overlooked. It's not something to play around with. Um, you know, they're going to keep playing around with this thing until something very bad happens. Something very, very bad happens. And, um, you know, and they're saying and using the chance that we are everywhere. That's a problem. It's a serious problem. So, you know, folks, please, you know, be careful as you're out there um, living your lives. I mean, honestly, we got to tell people that now. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Mm. In the 21st century, the 21st century, we had to tell people that. Uh, just in the 21st century, why do these right-wing politicians, people who think politically right-wing want to go backwards? Why do they keep trying to repeat themselves, repeat history, as if we got to do something different? <laughs> you know, we just got to bow down. So, you know, it's not knew that there are white supremacists in the military and on police no, forces. No. But the fact that they continue to deepen their, you know, their political suasion inside the military and in police forces means that we're not learning from history. Right. Right. Um, so we have a, a lot to pay attention to. Right? And... There's a, a lot to cover within the state. <sighs> a lot to look out for as we live our lives every day. And we're going to really, really have to buckle down and pay more attention to what's happening around us. Folks, I urge you, I urge you to please do that. I urge you to do that. I urge you to please pay attention to our show the Sunday Forum, and other shows that are of substance. We don't deal in conspiracy theories here. We don't deal in questionable uh, news or information. We deal in facts here. And we listen to you as well. With your input, your words are very, very important. Your observations are very, very important. And we want to make certain that we are respectful of that, but we also are interested in your well-being. That is the biggest part of what we do. Is being We are trying to make certain that all of you are safe and that you are living the best quality of life that you can possibly live. Uh, currently, we have some, there, there are some issues. There are some serious issues that need to be resolved. And we are going to help to help you to navigate that as best we possibly can from here and beyond. We'll do everything we can to um, spark positive movements that are going to um, that are going to help you, the public, 
uh, to be able to navigate these waters of things that are happening around the nation and and locally. So, all right. So anyway, we have a lot going on in Haiti. In Haiti, but before we leave the continent of Africa, there is going to be. Oh, he's leaving, he leaving there. Oh. We're, going back. We're going back. We're going back. Okay. I just want, I'm just pointing out the fact that we got a lot going on in Haiti right now. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. What, what's what's happening? We got. <laughs> we have gangs, man. Yeah. 200 plus gangs has been estimated that are. that are all polarized on. Different issues, well, not different issues. On they're, they're all, gosh, going against each other for for power on uh, the island, are being used as pawns for power. Yeah, it's probably a better way to do it. Probably a better way to look at it. So, we have uh, warnings that have been issued by the United States Embassy for Americans to American citizens to leave Haiti and prepare to leave the country. Uh, because of the amount of violence that is taking place. And uh, you've had gangs that have opened fire on groups of people, like crowds of people. Uh, you have, um, gosh. Hi- yeah, the gangs are hijacking neighborhoods, hijacking homes. Yeah, I mean, and I'm talking about in major ways, and it's not, it's not something to take lightly, clearly. Never has been, especially in Haiti. When that happens, I mean, you know, people are being, you have people being raped. Uh, you have murders taking place and uh, people being beaten in the street. And that is just not, not, um, it's, it's not a good thing. It's not, it's, there's nothing good going on right now. Uh, and people are trying to get some semblance of, um, there are people out there that are trying to get some semblance of normalcy on the island, but it's just like right now, it's just um, chaotic. And, and and to be clear, to be clear, um, these gangs are, as, as we discussed mobility before, these gangs are remnant of what we've seen in historically in Jamaica, right? During political regimes, when you have gangs of gangs that were formed around their support for political rivals, right? And what ends up happening as a result is they end up in what seems to be a civil war, basically a civil war, right? Uh, But the difference here is that loyalties are shifting. We're seeing loyalties shift according to um, news reports from there, and they're trying to identify who these different gangs are, and it's hard to do because these loyalties are shifting. Their alliances, for instance, um, you have the. It says here in, in U.S. news that some 200 criminal groups form a network of shifting alliances dominated by the G9. GPEP, Crazy, Crazy Barre, 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 um, and 400 Mawoso. You know, all these are names of different groups that are there. All of them warring for control over strategic parts of the capital of Puerto Prince. And so there's some real issues with regard to that. As I said before, they're shifting their alliances. And so it's hard to identify who's who. And those are just the name of a few of the different gangs that have been um, that have been created there on the island. And wow. And it's the it's reason why people, you know, are become migrants and try to escape that situation that ends up on the shores of the United States, which is why it's important that the United States take uh, some interest in what's happening there. I mean, I, I see we always get interest from the states that are least capable of really making that much of a difference, but at least they are stepping up. And we see Kenya, the country of Kenya, has made an, an appeal 
for the international community to intervene. But that was over a year ago, <laughs> you know. Uh, the, you know, here was Kenya calling for a security force. That's October. To subdue the gangs that trafficking, murder, and sexual violence, and the kidnapping for ransom, and the extortion, and the illegal, the illegal drugs, all of this stuff. But you know, we 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 know that anything the United States do is is fraught with history. You know, right. there's a lot of bad history there. Uh, but people are saying that the Biden administration should show at least some similar interest at Haiti. I mean, at Kenya has shown towards Haiti and exercise our influence. Uh, but, you know, what we have is people still are going to wash up on the shore, and what we need to understand is why and what the international community needs to do. Uh, but it's, it's going to be a daunting issue to try to figure out because it's so political. You have to be, if you commit, you have to be able to co- commit to taking on those gangs. Right, that's right. And don't know how they're going to be subdued. Don't know how that's going to happen. And it's going to be very difficult to, identi- to identify these groups, as I said before, because of shifting loyalties. Right. Uh, this makes work. the pay- this opens the door for a real issue as well once uh, in, order, in order to establish stability and identifying leadership. Right? There has to be some sort of peace uh, that's established in order for there to be... Okay, so if there are loyalties, right? Who are they loyal to? And if they're loyal to... And, and whomever they're loyal to has to be identified, those people... Who have, and, and I'm not seeing any of these reports, in any of the reports, any, any faction specifically that, that is... Being, that is um, uh, Vying for power specifically, you get what I'm saying? Like a political party, for instance. I don't, I don't hear that. I don't hear, and I'm not reading anything where there is a connection between the two, the gangs and who uh, their loyalties lie with. I'm not seeing that. You know, uh, nobody is gonna is gonna snitch. <laughs> you know, the bottom line is 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 important to keep that. Uh, keep people off kilter on that, who you're loyal to. So, you know, these politicians are who they're loyal to. But I'm saying, but I, I, we don't know who they are. Who are they? Well, they're, because they're changing every day. And, that, and that's, what's, that's, where, that's, where, that's where the frustration probably lies, right? When, when we're trying I, to identify... It, right. Who, it's, it is hard to identify because I, maybe I said it should have said it the, the concourse, the converse way, where it's not that they're the, the gangs are are clearly they're committed to money. You know, they're committed to whoever's going to pay them, whoever's going to give them the influence in in a particular neighborhood. Uh, so, who who are the politicians loyal to? Nobody except themselves, and except it's a struggle. It's a power struggle going on. I believe they could be identified, whether we identify the gangs or not. We have to identify the political games, the political ends of the people involved. And I think that anybody who's a politician in Haiti right now, you know, if, if you're speaking up for what is right for the common good, then you're probably not employing a gang. Right. So... Right. I think we have to look at who's in, uh, and plus the politicians that are supporting the civilians who are rising up against the gangs because they have to because the police are impotent right now against the they gangs. Are, they are. The, where's the military? Where's the military? That, well, that is that is any time that you don't hear uh, in, 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 in you read these reports right now. You hear nothing about any military, any standing military right now. There's nothing written about a, mil- a standing military in Haiti. No, that's a problem. That's, that's a serious problem. No, because that's the reason why they're calling for international force. Right. I mean, the police have always uh, asserted themselves in a violent way when it comes to politics. Look at how we saw 
the the ex-military, ex-soldiers came in, overran the police stations to get rid of Jean Bertrand Aristide. I mean, those were ex-military who had invaded back into the country because they had fallen out of favor, I guess, because some of them had been part of the Tonton Mukuts, you know, who were the political gang of the 90s, 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. you know, working for Papa Doc Papa and Doc, Baby Doc. Baby Doc yeah. So, you know, those people... When Aristide was in power and he was so popular, uh, they knew politically they couldn't defeat him. So they overran the country, overran the police, and engaged in basically a hijacking of Haiti back then. Isn't that the same thing? We're That's seeing the same now? thing we're seeing now. That's what we're seeing now, and it's it's destabilized the whole thing, the country, and there has to be order brought in. I don't know how this is going to happen, uh, and and I'm afraid to even suggest. But but I'm going to say it anyway, okay? So it seems to me that since this is happening, um, it makes the way for a neo-colonial problem. You get what I'm saying? What do I mean by that? A neo-colonial problem would be a foreign power that comes in as a friend, air quote, friend, uh, that is supposed to come in and support the country in some way, but ends up taking advantage of the country in some, in some way. That is a problem. That's a serious problem. And I, I'll give you another example of something, right? So I'm gonna, because that same dynamic we see in a lot of different places. We need to see the root problem here, and it's economics. It's economics. Right. And it's just like with the Roman, with um, with in the days of Rome, okay. When whenever there was dis, uh, uh, this real discord amongst the people, and I mean that very lightly, uh, according to the readings of Roman history, when you read about the problems that took place in Rome, what happened? What was it that they did in order to calm the people down? They gave them bread. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They gave them. They gave them bread. They gave them food. There was some minor change in uh, infrastructure or something that was that, that was able to uh, uh, help them. But they gave them some sort of uh, minor thing, this this shiny thing, which is called a coliseum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. what I was thinking. They give them entertainment. They give them entertainment. Bloodthirsty entertainment. There you go. There <laughs> you go. And and see, this is not good. What we're seeing right now is not good, obviously. And it is it, it concerns me because there has to be some sort of order that's brought that's brought in. But who's going to bring it? How's it going to happen? If there's not a Haitian base. Right, a strong enough Haitian, Haitian base that is that can come in and stabilize the country right now, then there's not going to be uh, there's, there's going to be a foreign power then in that case that's going to come in then and say, hey, listen, we're going to help you get this done, but at a price. There's going to be a price, and Haiti can ill afford to have that kind of thing happen again. As much as they were fighting to get away from the the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, and then fighting from fighting to stay away from borrowing from anybody. Um, but these people just keep coming in, and they are from France, and they're from Germany, and they're from America even. They're from different places, and they're, they're taking advantage of the chaos that we're seeing right now. Well, I mean, I don't know what it is that you think you can take advantage of at this point because, you know, there isn't much to take advantage of. The idea is, you know, and this is what Haiti is facing right now. It faces the possibility of some foreign country uh, or an international force coming in to stabilize the country because, like I said, the police are impotent against, you know, the violence that they're facing. They're outmatched by and outgunned on the streets you know, of Port-au-Prince. And so who's going to come in? And that's what Kenya was talking about. Kenya knows that it somebody has to step in and secure 
the airport, secure, you know, the things that are important. And I guess, you know, what you're concerned about is once those things are secure, can they be taken advantage of? And well, who's going who's yeah. gonna to help secure it? Exactly. That's which is what I'm why concerned with. Kenya, it was important Kenya, for thank Kenya God. You know, I guess. to step up and yeah. say something, you know, and probably begin to lead this effort because what you're going to face are these gangs who are trafficking in murder, trafficking in sexual violence and kidnapping, but they're doing it for political or economic reasons, as you said, and I think that is the through line. When you look at Haiti, when you look at uh, the Sahel or the sub-Saharan African countries who have faced coups, we and when you look at how this all started in Haiti, it started with the assassination of the president yes. of Haiti and the use of uh, what they what we thought at that time was a Colombian mercenary force. So that's the through line. It's too many political actors in these countries who are using gangs. They're using violent actors. And just as we see it in this country, the Republicans use violence. They use people like the Proud Boys and to carry out insurrections to make their point right. politically. Right. Because they can't they can't make that point in the halls of of Congress without looking like the fascists that they are. <laughs> you know, right, so they right. use these gangs who don't care what people think or what people say and not interested in logic, just violence and intimidation. And we're seeing this through line in Haiti. We see it uh, in the in these countries on the continent of Africa. Yeah, we're seeing it. We're seeing it. Hey, let's go to these phone lines, man. These phone lines are lit <laughs> up, man. Uh, 813-239-9663 Folks, uh, we want to hear from you But please, let's stay on subject, please We're talking about Haiti right now And what's happening in Haiti And some sort of resolution What what do we see um, With the uh, with, this, with this violence that's going on What, what, can, what, can, what can be done? Okay, go ahead, caller You're on the Sunday Forum Good morning Good morning Hi, this is Dave in St. Pete. Hey, Dave, how you doing? Hey, real good. Love your show, love your spirit, love you guys. Thank you. I, you got you got my attention when you were talking about the continent of Africa. <laughs> and let me just give you just a short backstory. I've been doing a lot of studying, self-studying about colonization and colonization hangover, particularly mm. in the Western Hemisphere, South America, Central America. And my main point is, I, I believe the African continent has the best potential to get to to kick out the colonization, get rid of all the colonization hangover because there's such a massive landmass. And the lesson from, let's say, South America is is a lot of the. I, I guess I'll just try to get to the point: is the small all the small countries need to unite to be a bigger nation with more resources, even though that may sound impossible, because there was uh, people in South America, they wanted like, for instance, Ecuador, Colombia, Venezuela, they wanted to be a big country. And everybody said, no, we want to be little countries. But then they can't support themselves. And, and that's really my main point. And you guys made so many other points, but uh, I, I, I just study the colonization is the biggest problem this planet has ever had. It's just, uh, you know, the, the problem of other countries coming in and just taking over the world. And it's going to be a long time before this gets straightened out. But I still believe Africa continent and all those countries have a chance, I believe a chance, before all these countries come back in. And it's like they want, they want to recolonize again. China, mm -hmm. Russia. It, it, it's uh, And I just pray for them. That's all I that's all I can say. Uh, thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. And, and let me tell you, Dave. I think I think you're right. I think that what we're, what we're seeing is a revolution uh, on the continent of Africa that is um, that is well, it's, it's unprecedented, truthfully, because of the speed at which this is happening. This is happening at a tremendous speed, thanks to the African Union, and uh, and and there are. Um, you, you mentioned the hangover, the the, uh, co the colonization hangover. I would liken that to a bloodlust, right? Um, the 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 um, 
uh, what, what happens after a bloodlust, right? Uh, in these in, in these movies, you see these people who are drunk with um, with having been um, so violent over so long a period, and then at the end of the violence, there there's a hangover. There is a hangover, a type of hangover that exists. Uh, I think these these European nations are are reeling, reeling from centuries of having their the ability just to run roughshod over all these nations, and then all of a sudden there's an absolute stop. There's a full stop that's being placed in front of them to say, "Oh, nope, no more," and then. What happens? There's true independence that takes place, a true separation, much like much like what I'm supposing would have would have been the feeling of England after losing such a commodity as the United States, <laughs> the 13 colonies, right? Yeah. Uh, or France after losing Haiti, um, so to speak, because still, you know, Haiti. Part of the problem that we face right now with Haiti is what the French continue to do. And it would not surprise me if Marcon and those guys and his, and his dirty crew came in and tried to do something um, in Haiti in the midst of this destabilization. So, uh, and, and acted as though they were, they were being a good actor in this process. So, Dave, thank you very much for your, for your comments. Now, the big word is unite, unite, unite the people. Uh, all those islands, you know, the French islands, the Dutch, the English. Yes. These people, these people have to do it themselves, and that's and that's it. You know, this whole bootstrap thing. But the, the, their destiny is in their hands. They have to unite. Yes. Just like the British united, the French united, the Dutch united. It's unite, unite, and I and I go right down to the grassroots level because I was in the in like the trade union. Unite. You have to unite. And everybody's saying uniting is bad. No, Mm-mm. you have to. And forgive my loud voice. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. It's all right. And just, all right. And just to let you know, I'm, I'm from Detroit, so I, I feel like uh, you're my brothers. <laughs> and, and, and I say that are, very sincerely because I grew up there and uh, everything was just, I always say this from time to time, everything was fine in Detroit till the police came in and busted our after-hours club. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm serious. I've heard that. I've actually heard that before. <laughs> no, I, I I tell you, we can talk sometime. I'll tell you a lot about Detroit. I tell I, you what, that's, we're gonna we're gonna have a show grow. about that, uh, and and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. We are gonna talk that's about my, that one that's day. That's my home city. We're gonna be back. I love St. Peter, of course, but my wife is from Detroit. Ah, oh, that's excellent, man. We could talk. <laughs> Oh yeah, right. put, on some, put on some Aretha and get a little Cavatier. There you go. There you go. Take care, of my brother. All right. Bye-bye now. Peace, Peace to you, man. Peace to you. Uh, it's interesting because they're here around. This is September. We're getting into um, Labor Day, Labor and Day. we all of the issues, uh, how workers empowered themselves against the auto industry's onslaught of workers. <laughs> Especially in the 1960s, Detroit can say a lot about how workers empowered themselves, especially in this era, the summer of strikes that we we've just seen. And uh, but the caller is also making a point about how the in the post-colonial era, these small countries should unite. And, you know, people have talked about a united Africa, how realistic that is. But that is exactly what BRICS is trying to do in terms of these countries feeling like you know they have to empower themselves right and so let's come and join the BRICS, you know but right. the idea is is that really an empowerment or is that neo-colonialism exactly uh, and how will the politics work out among all among of these nations. these nations that are joining together Absolutely. under the BRICS? And i think i think we 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 look at that really and we and, and you listen to the words of PLO Lumumba and Ariana Quo and uh, shoot, um, even Julius Malema. And you listen to what they're saying. Be careful of this. Be careful of what's happening here because there's a lot being said uh, about BRICS, but they're saying they're warning people, you know, we're not so blind about BRICS that we're not that we're not careful about the possibility of 
colonialism lurking its ugly head here. So, right. um, okay, and let's go ahead. What were you the, big, the big countries who are anchoring the BRICS, you know, are yeah. just going to be overlording over. And, and look at Saudi Arabia and Iran joining, you know. Uh, who's going to be able to tell them what to do? Yeah, Will they cooperate? Can tell them anything, man. Are you serious? <laughs> no one's ever been able to tell them anything. That's what I'm telling you. This, BRICS is not going to work because of the, because of this whole thing. You, you're dealing with personalities that just don't mesh. All right. All right. Don't mesh. It could work, but it, it at least it's not going to be its stated goal of replacing the U.S. dollar as the reserve, the global reserve currency. And uh, so much reporting has come out. You know, India might want to do its gas deals with Russia in rubles, but that's not going to last forever. And the the idea that you're going to completely replace the dollar as the reserve currency, South Africa said, no way. Are we ready to get out of the SWIFT system? That's the payment settlement system. Mm -mm, mm -mm. (laughs) Even Malema said that very clearly. We're not so eager to join BRICS that we're just going to move away from what we know right now in the SWIFT system. That's, that's, so, anyway, let's go to the calls again. Man, he's like, boy. Yeah, you woo, got it. Let's lit, get it. Let's boy. get it. Let's get it. Come on, folks. <laughs> we got just a few minutes before the news oh, headlines, wow. but wow. go ahead, caller. You're on the Sunday Forum. Yes, good morning. Peace and good bless. Good morning, Queen Mother. Uh, good morning. I would just say this, and because I'm not there, but every attempt that the people from the ground up have tried to identify its leadership it has been a direct interference by foreign powers. And the seven heads of government, of the world government, know exactly why the people is in an uproar. It, I, the, the simplest way I can say it is like Dr. King says, that this violence, maybe not this screen form of violence, is the language of the unheard. So keep assassinating their leadership and then you just see this convulsion of people that's causing this direct interference. But could I just circle it back to home, Walter? Because when we see our neighborhoods in stress, mm-hmm. and we call, we have adopted, we black folks have adopted the language of our oppressors by saying mm. this is simply black on black crime. Mm. Well, it's not. It is as a result of the people not being able to get the things that they need to sustain them. And we see in city, whether it's Chicago, D.C., Los Angeles, Tampa, or where our communities are being infiltrated, our leadership is either making conscious decisions to be in bed with those that will not give power to the people. The very things that we're asking for decent housing, to be able to participate in the economy, you see black folks in the United States filling up the prisons. You see our communities being gentrified. And then you see the rise of violence. So all of it goes, in my opinion, hand in hand with the oppressors and those that do the uh, exploitation of this suffering to their benefit. I think the people in Haiti know what they want. I think the people in Tampa know what they want in terms of leadership and direction, and it has to be respected. And until then, unfortunately, people keep struggling, people keep fighting, and people keep dying. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Queen Mother. We appreciate that. You know, she she hit right in the head. We have five minutes before before, um, the hour. Is 8.55, 8.55 this Sunday morning. Beautiful Sunday morning, true uh, true enough, outside, uh, post-Idalia, post-Idalia. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, those those folks who are hanging on right now, please continue to hang tight, okay? Please, I, I beg of you, hang tight on the line. We're going to go directly to you as soon as we get finished with the, with the news here. Should, do we have time for another call, you think? We have five minutes. Yeah. Five minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to take another call. Um, but those people that we can't get to right now, please hang tight until after the um, the NPR news break. Uh, let's go to the call that we have right now. All right, caller. Go ahead. You're on the Sunday Forum. Hey, thank you for taking my call. Can you hear me? Absolutely, yes. Walter, it almost seems like they're setting up Haiti 
for a total annihilation. And and you can see it coming. It's, it's just they, the narrative that they're pushing around the world of the lawlessness in Haiti. And, and, and let, me, let me give you an idea of what I feel. Walter, if there was lawlessness like right here in, in, in this, like right here in our area right here, and you and Mobilia and your family got together and, and wanted to protect yourselves, they would call you a gang. And, and the outside world would say, well, there's a gang right there, and, and you're not a gang. All you're doing is trying to protect what's left of your surroundings or, or, or what's going on with, with your surroundings. There's no way out. So you, you, you formed a couple people, but now you're considered a gang. You're considered ruthless, lawless, and all you're doing is looking for food and protection. And, and I truly believe that they're setting up Haiti for a complete total. And, and we're going, we probably see it because there's video cams and there's cameras everywhere. And, and this is going to be their excuse, I believe. But I want to say this, Walter. You said something about us African-Americans when we walk outside of our doors just to live a normal life. We got to be vigilant. I believe you said something like that. I want to expound on that because it seems like America wants us black people, African-Americans, in the same frame of mind that we were in when we were captured. They want us scared and just frightened, just scared and frightened, our whole existence here. And, and it was that way then. And, and Walter, it's that way today. Because just like you say, when we walk outside the house, we got to be vigilant of our surroundings, of, what, of, of actually what we say, because somebody can point a finger at you, Walter. Walter, you could be walking down the street and somebody can point a finger at you and say you bumped into them or say you looked at them. A, hey, just to say you looked at them a certain way. They can call the police and the police will come and surround you. It's just a fact. It happens all the time. But I wanted to say this, too, before I hang up, and I thank you for your call, uh, for your time, that Barack Obama was president for eight years here, and the people of Haiti was begging him. They were begging him to come over and help us. Please come and help us. Talk to the French president for us. Get this debt, get this debt that they put on us. You, you know, we, we can't afford this debt. There's nothing we can do with this money. But they constantly put it on us. And Barack Obama's response to that was, I believe he gave um, Hillary Clinton and her brother some land over there. I believe he signed off property for Hillary Clinton and, uh, and her brother. I don't know her brother's name, but you can look all that up. But they ended up getting land and property over there. And somebody said that there's not much in Haiti. Haiti is very, very rich. That's why I think they're doing what they're doing. And, and Walter, thanks for taking my call, man. Good job. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. You know, the, the, earlier... Um, really, we, we were discussing Haiti and why this type of thing would happen there. Let me be clear. Haiti does have some, uh, it is mineral rich. It is mineral rich. There, I forget what the what the substance is that is, uh, that is mined there or that is of such value there, but I, I will find it out and I will, I will uh, during the break, see if I can find out what, what that is and bring it up to the people when we come back. Uh, but, folks, if you are on the line right now, please hang tight until after the NPR break, which is coming up in just a minute. We have 30-some seconds before we begin. Um, please hang tight. We'll come back to you as, as the break is over with. Um, folks, please, this is the Sunday Forum. We want to hear from you today, 813-239-9663. This is the Sunday Forum with your host, Walter L. Smith II, along with my main man, Mabili from the Fourth Estate Crew. We'll be right back. 